This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, hello, everyone, for the new year of 2024. And as always, on in the seventh season, I'm going to think it years is season, of the Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing podcast, we always try to bring you shows, um, whether I have guests with me or I do it solo, that are always designed for your author, your writing, your publishing success. So throughout them, you're always going to get a variety of ahas, insights, tips, and how-tos to bring that success about. So with that said, we are going to be looking at editing today, which is crucial. And the trigger for me was um, at our author brunch that we had um, in December where one of the newbie authors says, I'm all ready to publish, I'm ready to go. And I just asked him, and have you had it professionally edited yet? And he said, sheepishly, well, I self-edited. And I said, then you have not had it edited and you are not ready to publish. So with that said, this is what this is all about. To review for the newbies, for the aspiring authors, for us old timers, because let me tell you, we have editing. We should always have editing done because you're just too close. You're too close. You don't see it. You become blind to your words and your head is blind too. So I always love to leave with a quote from my book, Snappy, Sassy, Salty Success um, for authors and writers. And today it's the joy of being an author, saying with your words what brings the aha to the reader. With me is Barb Wilson. She has been with me many times before. She is um, my fiction editor. And I actually, here's a confession. I had my last nonfiction book, um, uh, which I think you all should have, whether you're a beginning, newbie, wannabe, aspiring, whatever you want to call yourself, author, or you're just been out there and maybe you're feeling you're a little stuck and you need to get your mojo back. It's the author's walk. And I had taken it out for my regular editing post, my writing. And my editor, my nonfiction editor, didn't get it. Did She was trying to structure me in my normal how-to. Do this, do that. Okay, here's this, do this. Um, and tweak it versus the inspirational book that I was trying to put together. That was my goal and my attempt. Um, so I had to turn to my trusty fiction editor, <laughs> Barb Wilson, who got what I was doing as an author herself um, and working with many other authors that she got where I was going. It was like going and, and it was like, I mean, I almost brought me tears to eyes when I got all the red back and realizing 
it was the wrong fit. And we do need to understand that in the editing process. Some of the editors are not going to be the right fit. There are certain editors are just the cat's meow for YA related books, for romance books, for sci-fi books, for how-to books, for nutritional, you just fill in the blank what kind of book it is. There are certain editors out there are just the right fit and they are the wrong fit for other things. And so I was dealing with a wrong fit scenario and I had to find the right fit. And with that, Barb Wilson, welcome back. Barb is the, the founding partner of um, Edit Partner and you can find her um, at her website, editpartner.com. Did I say that right, Barb? Yes, you did. All right. Uh, and thank, thank you for having me today, Judith. And uh, let me add an aside to all of our wonderful listeners who support us. Uh, if anyone out there has not bought the Author's Walk, run. Don't walk. Run. To your nearest bookseller, get yourself a hard copy and some tabs and a highlighter and sit down and prepare to have your world rock. This book is like Red Bull in an IV for writers. Ooh, Red Bull in an IV. Oh, my God. Hey, Barb, would you go up and put a review that says that? <laughs> yes, I will. I'm making a note on my to-do list right now. I, she actually called me from a cruise ship while she was writing this and said, what do you think? And I said, this thing makes me want to sit down and start writing because it is such a, a boost. If you have had some struggles in your writing career, if you're not sure what to do next, if you feel like you're getting the, to the end of the initial buzz of sitting down and you're realizing writing is hard work, which it is. Judith has, uh, is the author of what? 30, Seven bestsellers. Oh, oh, let's let's push it up. Like forty-five. Number oh, forty-five. Goodness. The Secret I'm, Hamlet comes out this month. Oh my gosh! Oh my I gosh! I forgot. Yes. Holy cow! Time is flying. But she will be the first one to tell you. Writing is work. Writing is like opening a vein and writing with red ink on the paper that just happens to be blood because sometimes that's how hard it is to get those words out. And if you are experiencing that, that lag, that drop in spirit, that drop in your mojo that we all get this time of year after the Christmas is over and you're in the winter doldrums, get that book and sit down and prepare to have your world dropped. It's an amazing book. And thank you for gifting us with that, Judith, because oh, I have you. it on my shelf. Yeah, I I have to tell you, I just wrote down what you wrote. I'm going to make a poster with that. You know. Red Bull in an IV, and I am so not kidding. I I told you that when you sent me parts of it while you were still actually in the early uh, crafting yep. that book. Yep. And wow, I <laughs> I it was on a whole different plane. And and you know, in your um your regular nonfiction editor's defense. She may have just been so surprised by this because it is so different from anything you've ever written. It was like you unlocked a whole part of yourself. And I, yeah, yes. And, and it just all came out. And I was like, wow, um, it's like the flu, but good flu. 
Well, you know, I have said on the, although this program is not supposed to be about the author's walk, but it is involved the editing, um, the whole editing process, because I was really doing a different form of writing for me. I don't know what took me over, but it was different. Uh, my style, oh. the whole thing. And for all of you, this is only 116 pages. Um, and they're small pages. I mean, we're talking about noodling, the inspiration, the goosing, things that you just want to read, maybe these eight lines and just chew on them a little bit um, and noodle them over. So where do I go from here? What do I need to take? So I, you know, I'm, it, it is my, it is the book, Barb, I wish I had 40 years ago when I started writing. If I and had had you, that book, yeah. For those are powerful words. Look yeah. at where you are, and you climbed to those levels of success without that book. There's people listening to this podcast right now that have no idea. This is like the Judith Bryles version of The Secret. If you want to know how to write, if you want to unlock that part of yourself that will let you get those words down on paper and either begin your writing journey or juice it up if that's what you need, Jesus. this book will do it for you. Holy cannoli. What a great book, uh, yeah. Judith. I what, so different <laughs> from all your stuff, but that book—that's you should have it framed in a frame on your wall because that's like the quintessential Judith book. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I mean, I love it. I wish I had it. Well, look at—we're actually two minutes from our net first break, but <laughs> let's introduce the stage of the editing. So I'm going to go back to the reveal where this first-time author. Uh, he he's really excited, and of course, you know I get it. You're all watching your your dollars. You know where it is going. Editing is something you you've got to pay for, um, and it, it's not your mom, it's not your sister, it's not your best friend, it's not your neighbor down the street, unless they are all professional editors, and they still may be too close to you, because this is where you need someone who is what. Um, one of my favorite editors, who eventually became the head honcho at at Hache. Um, Jamie Robb said that you need to be have ruthless, ruthless editing in your midst. Um, and and sometimes it's pretty painful when those ruthless oh. edits um, come back. And, and Judith knows no. very well. I actually had a client of Judith that I made cry. I know. And I, that's not one of my most famous, wonderful words. But, you know, my, my famous, wonderful moment, I... I told them the truth. I wasn't mean. I wasn't nasty. The, the best editors aren't, but they're factual. And that's what is my business as an editor. It's to make your work better. It's not to take over the book. It's not to rewrite it in my style with my words. I write my own books and I have them edited by a professional editor who is not me. <laughs> Editing well, is like breathing. Yeah. It's necessary. Yeah, and I and I've done the same, and that um, I, I know when I've got. Remember the old red lines when we got the solid paper manuscript back, and it was redlined to death. Um, oh my heavens! <laughs> that, that's the old days. That's the old days um, when I started. But that's what. And here, what you thought you put turned in a perfect manuscript? Yeah, not. So I I think that there are stages of editing. Um, and we're going to get into some of those things, things that you want to be. We're going to throw out some red lights and green lights for you here when we come back from the break of getting ready to, as you're writing what you can do, and then the post-writing, 
and so much beyond. So we'll be right back with this is Bard Wilson. It is editing 2024. is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. Author Use, the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author You is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms. And it is free. Discover Author You, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author You today at AuthorU.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book... If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, so we are going to do a deep dive into essentials and editing mm-hmm. professional editing is an essential um and so you're gonna have to just chomp down realizing it costs some money um i think that barb wilson will be, give us some tips on how you can reduce that so you come in with a crisper copy that doesn't need the ruthless editing i was referring to before the break all right so barb where do we start uh well as an author, you know, everyone romanticizes uh, authors. Oh, I'm writing a book. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm, I'm hacking away at my computer keyboard and I'm, I'm going to write the next Mickey Spillane or I'm going to write the next Gone with the Wind. And you realize that writing itself is a skill and a craft. And in order to be good at it, you really need to understand it. There is no point in a writing career, and I think Judith will agree with this, as will any author out there, where you say, I've learned it all. I know everything there is to know, and I don't need to learn anything else. Keep learning, keep practicing, keep writing, 
Um, I have some tips that I share with my clients. Um, I suggest exercises. Try to look at a scene. Try to look at something in your everyday life and describe that in words. In a, and when they do that a couple times, I will suggest that they do it with a set number of words. Um, words are pearls. And I have seen uh, reviews on books that, oh, the writer was too wordy. The author was too wordy. There was just so much. I had to cut through it to get to this story. Be careful with how you write. And your voice is very important. And your editor will work with you if you're not quite where you should be in terms of getting your words across to your potential readers. Uh, have someone read what you've written when you're done and see if they can visualize um, with these exercises what you're describing. Describe something in other than ordinary ways. Describe, describe a car. Describe something in an alien world where someone could see it, to feel it, to smell it. Use the senses. Enter contests. These are, are really good tools to help you keep honing your writing and making it better and improving and getting better. Um, if you haven't got the book on writing by Stephen King, it's an excellent tool. He will talk to you about, I mean, obviously Stephen King. Who wouldn't listen to what he has to say because he's Stephen King. And uh, I was actually at a romance uh, convention, a romance writers convention, and Nora Roberts was speaking, and she said, Stephen King is a must read for me, anything he does. Now, this is a woman who's written over 220 novels that are all bestsellers, and she drops everything and reads Stephen King. So if he's writing a book about how to write, I'm going to read it. And so does Nora. Uh, Join a critique group if you can find one for your writing. If you have a mystery writer's chapter, if you have a romance writer's chapter, if you have a sci-fi chapter, be, be genre-specific if you can. And there's, of course, with the Internet, there's lots and lots and lots of places out there that have just virtual critique groups, virtual writing groups. Genre-specific is really important if you're writing in a particular style. Judith's latest bestsellers are actually historical, and that is a particular genre unto itself. If someone is not used to reading or writing historical, there's a lot of fact-checking that goes into that from the editorial side. I know Judith is, is making the sign of the evil eye right now at the phone because we've had discussions about things in her books and I've pointed out some things and she's you know, oh, okay well that's the way it was supposed to be back then um, and if as a writer if you want to write in a particular genre understand the requirements of that genre and that's on you as an author if you hand a manuscript in that is just littered with errors littered with wishy-washy language, um, you don't have descriptions, you're bouncing around like a rubber ball with your words, um, you're going to get those red-lined manuscripts back with, I call them balloon bouquets, on the right uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. margin. <laughs> and 
they, they're not easy to read. I've had them in my manuscripts that come back from, from writers. And I do not self-edit my own material. When I, I am published in both fiction and nonfiction, I don't edit my own material because I understand the pitfalls of trying to do that. Editing is within reach of most people. Self-editing uh, is a skill that, yes, you can make sure it's in the best shape grammatically, uh, punctuation-wise, your voice is consistent throughout, but I would not try to do a manuscript completely editing it on your own. And Judith, are you with me on this? Mm -hmm. No, I, I uh, think you can't do it. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I thought, this book is almost perfect, almost perfect. And then it's like, oh, God, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, well, and I, and I get other eyes on it. I have had clients uh, actually, you know, if, if it's a particularly lengthy edit and there is a lot of commentary from my side, I will often initiate a conversation before I send them back the manuscript. I will call them on the phone and say, okay, we need to have a talk about this because you're going to get this. And uh, you're going to flip out, and I don't want you to do that. <laughs> there are some really good nuggets in here, but we need to get them out to where the reader can find them a little sooner. Um, going back to the craft of writing, some types of stories are actually plot-driven. Mysteries, sci-fi, mm -hmm. even paranormal can be. And some types of stories are character driven and you can get into it, it the, the conflict and the goals and the motivation are internal and external but they move the story they all move the story but if you're doing things like historical or sci-fi or paranormal or urban fantasy and you're world building you have to tell your story and you have to build the world in a way that your readers will understand it. And I go back to those exercises about describing things. This is where those will come in handy. Everything you've learned and everything you've honed will be used when you start putting your story down on paper. You know, go read Dune. Frank Herbert did a great job. Uh, shoot, go read Gone with the Wind. That was an amazing world building because Margaret Mitchell described the Civil War era. At, and she did not live in that time. She had no knowledge of that. But she described it in a way that we all understand it. And 90 years later, you know, we, we still understand it. It's held up as a classic because it tells a story and it tells it in a way that people can identify with it and understand it. Um, J.D. Robb, uh, Nora Roberts, invented the futuristic police procedural genre. She has told 55 stories now, 55 separate books. Um, New York Police and Security Department set in 2060. And this is a story that a murder cop in New York City and what she faces and the technology she uses, a lot of which is actually coming true which is kind of scary. I want to see her crystal ball and where it's coming from. 
Um, but she has actually described in her books, which she started writing 25 years ago, things that are coming true now. Because she was able to say, well, if we have this technology, we're going to get this technology. Um, but again, underneath all of the world building she did and all of the creativity, there's a story. There's a mystery. Who did what? Who killed this? Why did they do it? And the characters in her books in this series of 55 books are constant. She has a core cadre of people that evolve and grow with these books. And she has people who are just avid about this series. Um, same with uh, J.R. Ward, her Black Dagger Brotherhood series. That's about um, vampires who are actually good guys. But it's all about the world building and how beautifully she's done it. If you're looking at that, it's a combination of the character driven, the characters are evolving, the characters are, are growing, they're changing in each book. But there's also constants that stay there with the world that she's built. And that's carried forward. If you're considering writing a series with the same characters, that becomes very important. And I would urge you to um, be aware of that before you embark on that writing journey. Well, you know, I, I, I kind of like that you've used the word world building because most times when people hear that phrase, they're thinking of sci-fi and fantasy. And you're actually talking about almost with current as well as world building, your current layout, or it could be historical fiction or any of those things. World building is part of that plot development, character development what I'm hearing well, you say. Yes, absolutely. It's mm. kind of like um, eating a naked cupcake versus eating a cupcake with really good frosting. You know, the kind that's all swirled on the top with little glitters. So <laughs> that's the part that makes the cupcake awesome because it allows the story to enrich what you're reading. And uh, as an aside about the world building and about the creativity and about the the details and the descriptions of these things. And I'll, I'll jump into one of your books again, Judith, if you'll let me do that. Um, mm -hmm. Your, your most recent, the, the secret Hamlet. Um, amazing world building. Uh, they're, they're creating a village. They're building a village there. Mm -hmm. And you have described the trees and the lakes and the scenery and the forests and the trees. And you've described it in a way, and I'll give the example of one of the characters. Um, she was traveling on her own in a previous book. She tied herself to one of the trees. She climbed the tree and tied herself to it so she would be safe on her way. Mm -hmm. Now, that's something that enriches the story that you're telling. Oh, but yes, and we described how the wind would go through at nighttime and all, all kinds of things happen. With that said, we're going to take our next break here. But okay. so, world building with editing. This is your guide to book publishing. 
Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. So as I was telling Barb Wilson, our guest expert on editing today, that when she was talking about the world building, you know, I'm kind of guilty here. Um, I, I didn't think of what we were doing in a historical fiction book, um, The Secret Journey, with book two coming out right now, The Secret Hamlet in the series, that we really were built doing the world building and the descriptions of going in. And, and, and I will also say, when Barb was editing this book, she came back and really pushed us to add more descriptors in, to tell us more from, and, 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 I, and I think I'm going to say for editing, let me just throw in for all of you, don't leave the five senses at home. You've got to really bring in the visuals, the smells, the, um, all the other, the, the touching, the feeling, all the other goodies that will bring your writing more alive and create a book that people can fall into. And what they want is the page turner. Okay, Barb, that's, that's uh, absolutely true. Yeah. Um, you know, and admittedly, not everyone is going to write fiction. Now, Judith is a rare bird because she has written both fiction and nonfiction. Most of her books and bestsellers are in the nonfiction genre, but she has recently put on a different hat and sharpened up her quill and moved into the fiction world. And I think you would definitely tell me there is a difference in how those books are written. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. Nonfiction does not generally involve character development in a sense that you have a main character and you're trying to grow this character with your words and the things that happen to this character. And you're not showing an evolution. It's more that you're telling a story, but it may be a story without a character, without a main character who is other than yourself. Well, Um, I'm going to add to that because with what we're doing are expanding my thoughts here, that when I'm writing nonfiction, I always think of what's the problem, what's the causation, what's the impact or effect, and what's the solution. 
the character is usually the problem. And that that that's what has to be developed in what you're talking about here, Barb, that people who are reading this, um, reading if you're a nonfiction author um, and you're trying to share um, a, a, a concept or an idea with a solution or a plan of action to it, is that you have to write it um, that the reader will connect and relate to it. That, geez, she's yeah. talking about me. She's writing about me. He he knew exactly where I was two years ago when my whole world was falling apart. That kind of thing. Absolutely. And and I should have, have clarified my remarks. And thank you for doing that so well for me, Judith. The character is often a situation or a problem or an obstacle. And in a way, the way that you described um the steps of your nonfiction writing, it could almost be considered a technical writing because you are scoping out a problem. You're looking at something, you're giving the details in a relatable way to someone who's reading your book and you're communicating how they can deal with it, how they can cope. You're, you're inspiring them. You're teaching them. You're involving them in how you dealt with this issue. And the, um, the other one of your, I'm, I'm referencing your bestsellers through this whole <laughs> editing thing, but the, the one that comes to mind immediately is when God says no. Mm-hmm. Um, that book made me cry, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, but I, it was evocative. It was beautiful. But I identified it with it. Because not that I've lived that life or had those problems, but the way that you communicated, you dealt with those problems involved me in your story. And that's an example of the kind of writing we all want to do. It's encompassing writing. It's the kind of writing you don't want to put down when it's bedtime. It's, oh, just one more chapter. I swear that's going to be on my gravestone, just one more chapter, because (laughs) my poor husband, you know, he's been very grateful since I got a Kindle because the light in the bedroom stays off. Now it's just my screen. Nonfiction Mm. has a plot arc. It may not have the character who is a human being, but as Judith described, it can be a problem, a situation, an obstacle, but it, it has a plot arc. But it's almost more like a non-personal plot arc. It's, a, it's an outside thing. The nonfiction is a more technical type of writing. When you get into fiction writing, you're creating something, someone, a situation, even a place or a time that doesn't exist. So you have to do some extra painting with your words and some sculpting and create these freestanding characters and situations and places in a way that involve the senses and the emotions and that the readers can identify with. And I will pop in one here that uh, I it's one of my favorite ones, the Indiana Jones stories. Mm. Clearly, he's a fictional character, but we all root for him and we identify with him and his movies, well, his stories that are turned into movies 
are fraught with tension and emotion and humor. Star Wars is the same thing, but they have satisfying endings and you involve the elements in the story because goals, motivation, conflict. Well, what's the goal of Indiana Jones? He wants to find whatever it is he's looking for in this particular movie, or he's rescuing someone who is helping him look, but he's involving your emotions. And there is, uh, as I go back to what I said at the beginning, you'll, you'll never reach a point where you say, I've learned everything there is to know. You won't. Because you'll learn with each and every book and each and every story you tell, you'll get better at your craft. And when you understand the goals, motivation, conflict of your character and their place in telling a story, you get into things like, okay, I'm going to plot out this arc of a a book that I'm going to put together. And uh, I actually put on a... um, a talk. I gave a talk at one of Judith's writing conferences, her author, you extravaganza in April about uh, how to craft a plot and the nine elements of plot crafting. And it, it's really, it's something I've done for her more than once. And it actually helps you. It's kind of like a little prod that says, okay, let's develop the character. Then let's develop the situation. Then let's start looking for things like dark moments and the worst possible outcome. And then let's have the reveal and the happily ever after. And those stories are emotionally satisfying. They're, they're good to read. They're generally find a place on your keeper shelf because you want to have them. You want to read them more than once because they make you feel good. But at the same time, they make you feel emotions that the characters going through the background the plot points the action the inner thoughts of the characters that are in that story uh judith mentioned earlier about the senses the the involvement of the senses you want your characters to experience things like scents and sounds and mm-hmm. sensations touching feeling Here's a trick, and I do share this with my clients. There are five senses. If you involve three of them, it's usually a well-rounded scene. The reader will be able to fill in the other two on their own. Oh, I I, that's such a great tip, Barb. Oh, thank Uh you. (laughs) Um, I've been doing this a while. (laughs) You think so, huh? There's a lot of stuff rattling around up in there. But... um, you know, Judith and I have, have talked about um, info dumps. That's another thing you have to look for, especially when you're world oh. building. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we have uh, had discussions about that. And what that is, is when a character goes into exposition and just immediately tells you the entire backstory mm-hmm. of the book and the plot and what they're reading, it's sort of a way to bring you up current So you can begin this journey that takes place in the book. And it's not really viewed favorably in the author community. There's tricks and there's ways to bring that in, bring in the information, bring in the backstory. In some cases, you may not want to disclose all of it, especially if it's a suspense or a mystery story, because that's part of the mystery. 
But you also need to give enough background and enough history and details about the characters so that the reader can begin to involve themselves in that story. It's like, oh, okay. So I have a a left-handed flutist who cooks spaghetti on the weekends for homeless people. Oh, that's me. I can identify with that. But our our left-handed flutist who cooks spaghetti for the homeless on the weekend is accused of murder. And it turns out the murder had to be done by a right-handed person. So you would think, okay, that's going to leave our flutist off. Well, no, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) there's, um, I, I love it that you bring up using three of the senses when you're describing things, because I think that will, for, for especially for the, well, I'm going to come back to, because I said something to Barb during our uh, break last time, um, that um, I'm a firm believer for really successful nonfiction writing today, is you have to incorporate the art of storytelling into it. Now, you're not going to go into the big world building and you're not going to be doing a lot of the things that you do in a fiction development, but you will set the stage for the author, for your reader to think, oh, this author gets me. He understands me. I'm going to pay attention to what he's recommending or what she's recommending, um, you know, as we move along through this book. And using those three, the minimum of those three senses, um, I, I think will open up a huge success door for you. Just my two bits, Barb. Oh, absolutely true. And it it's how you relate that information, how you make the reader fall into your story. Now, it, again, we've talked about suspense and humor, and we need to talk about satisfying endings. And I have been seeing a lot of uh, fiction writing and unfortunately, it's in the romance genre, which I actually love very much, and I write in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen a lot of self-publishing writers out there throwing in books that the story could be told in one book, and they're stretching it to two or three or four, and they're doing what I consider um, cheating the reader. It's uh, ending the book on a cliffhanger that's not disclosed. Okay, so we're going to take, Barb, with that said, we're going to take our final break, and let's come back on when did the book behind the book. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy 
Build your brand and platform and is a success. A bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right. So as we wrap up this final area, we have a lot to share with you. So we want to deal with the cliffhanging. We want to deal with actually some really good raw tips um, for going forward and just some other elements. So it's going to be kind of a motor mouth 12 minutes. Here we go. (laughs) And I do motor mouth better than anyone. You know that. Yeah. So with Um, me is Barb Wilson at at editpartner.com. Um, and you can reach out to Barb, and she is my go-to fiction editor. All right, so with that, Barb. Okay, we we uh, left, and we were talking about satisfying endings and yeah. special rules for certain types of writing and world yeah. building. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to uh, urge authors out there, um, remember that editing is a requirement. Judith began our program by talking about that. And if you're not convinced that editing is a requirement, read some reviews because the reviews on Amazon in a, in a book um, will make or break it. Judith probably will agree with me on this point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when I go out to read a blurb and I consider buying a book because I'm going to give my time and energy to reading this book and I want to enjoy it. And I don't want to waste my time on something or my money that's stupid or that's unsatisfying to me. I want to have a good experience as an author. And the reviews will tell you if the book has been edited and if it has been edited well. I'm seeing a lot of reviews that say things like, oh, they should have hired a copy editor because there's so many grammar issues. Uh, I can't bear to read through this book there's 
there's no punctuation. The the voice changes, the character names change. And trust me, I've seen a book that does that. I have edited a few and they're never good. But uh, these people who invest their time and money in your book are expecting to be satisfied with what they, and pleased with what they read. They want to be amused or taken out of their situation or they want to laugh. They want to be away from the world of today. And if they find an experience that's less than satisfying, they will be brutal about their reviews. Um, And quite frankly, reviews carry a lot of weight with me because I am in the industry. I do read. And if I read one or two reviews that say, oh, this was poorly edited. It was too wordy. They could have used an editor and chopped about half of it off. I will not click on that book and buy it. So I just cost that author a sale. I am completely, utterly serious. Find an editor. Your critique groups that I mentioned online, quite often you will find good contacts in the group. Someone in there will be published and they will be able to refer you to an editor. Um, You want someone who is familiar with the genre you're writing. And there is more than one type of editing. Judith and I are, um, we usually work on developmental edits together. And that is actually one that focuses on the bones of the story, how the story flows, the plot arcs. Um, It's almost, but not quite right up to ghostwriting, which is a whole different thing. And that is a whole different skill that. I particularly don't do, but there are people out there. Um, Judith and I did an earlier program on sensitivity editing. In fact, that was two programs. It was part one and part two, wasn't it? Yes. Well, and yeah, it's clear we had so much material. Oh, uh, my goodness. On it. Holy and, cow. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, I, I find myself, just a truthiness with all of you, I find myself rebelling against the overzealous editing um and it also and it also goes to movies also you know for for movies these people are actors and when you're in a movie or television show right you're acting so it's pretend people um and use your imagination and for your books as an author you know you are acting out things you're using your imagination and i don't want to put the squash on it because you are writing about a character who maybe is Hispanic-based and maybe you're not Hispanic, but that doesn't prevent you from having that character in your book, which is what some people are trying to prevent. And I think it's nonsense. That's just my opinion. Oh, absolutely true. And this whole thing of everything has to be washed and sanitized and made palatable. Okay, if you want to get into even, let's go to the fairy tales. Okay, let's go to fairy tales. Has anybody out there read the original Grimm Brothers fairy tales? Oh my God, they're horrendous. Oh, they're awful. They'll give you nightmares. You want to talk about giving your kid trauma and material for his counseling sessions for the next 50 years? Yeah, he'll be in therapy until he's dead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that actually happened and they wrote them and those things happened. I'm a big proponent of not changing history. And if you find a good developmental editor, 
she will understand what your story is trying to say, and she will work with you on crafting the best story, she or he, sorry, um, on crafting the best story with the most detail. I tell my clients, I am not here to dig up the diamonds. I'm only here to help you put it in a setting after it is faceted and cut. And that's my job. I'm here to polish. I don't do the bones. I do all of the polishing and the final touches and eliminate what doesn't need to be there and suggest to the author what does need to be there. Let's enhance this theme. We've got a problem here because the author does this on page 100 and it conflicts with what you said on page 50. Let's resolve that so that the reader doesn't have an experience where in one scene, the character gets out of the car three times. And yes, I have seen that. Um, a tuna sandwich on page 12 turns into a chicken sandwich by page 18. Those kind of details <laughs> a good editor is going to find. Oh, Barbara, I, I can remember one book I was going through. The main character changed his name four different times. Oh, my stars. The very first book I ever edited, this is way back in the day, I I made the assumption the gentleman was actually a medical doctor and he was writing mysteries. Mm. And I assumed, I made some assumptions based on education and writing skill that he knew the story he wanted to tell. Um, it turns out he didn't do any research. He just thought that he would write a book. and he changed all the characters uh, names halfway through and I couldn't figure out where all these new characters came from. And I was like, who is this? person?" <laughs> it was, it was the same character just with a different name. Wow. Um, those types of things all fall under developmental editing. They will catch those big mistakes, the big problems, the, the issues and the phrases you, if you have a favorite phrase, you may not realize how often you use that phrase in conversation. Um, Amazon and uh, the other online publishing companies have given us a potential global platform of readers. And we have to be careful as writers that we do not fall into idioms. And Good editors will catch that. Good developmental editors will go in and say, no, this is kind of an idiom. You, you really can't say he went up the holler because someone who is doing a literal translation is going, what? Wait, what? He, he yelled? He went somewhere? What happened here? That's the uh, most complex kind of editing is developmental. And you will, uh, of course, be expected to pay more for that type of edit for your book than you will for a simple line edit or a copy edit. Those two are often used interchangeably, but they, in if a very I, thorough, go ahead. Yeah, can you talk about pricing on this kind of stuff and how much, and also time, how much time? I'm beginning to think, I, I know that one editor um, tosses a lot of balls in the air and is working on multiple books or she's got a busy life. And I'm beginning to wonder if is an edit, my gut tells me, yes, that is an edit more efficient when you can really stay focused and stay with it 
is being disrupted. Can you give me some input here? Sure. On a developmental edit, um, it's going to take the most time and it's also going to be the most complex. And yeah. it will, uh, if you have a long book, um, Judith, I'll use you as an example again. Uh -oh. um, your no, your um, Secret Hamlet book. Is that 100, was, was yeah, yeah, it was a hundred thousand plus, and um, that took roughly the first round. Um, I've got my calendar right here. That took roughly oh. three weeks, I think, mm -hmm. didn't it? Yeah, it took yeah, just about three weeks. But I had the advantage. I was familiar with your writing style. I had edited many books for you before. And I could go a little bit faster. If it's a new author and I have never edited their material, it's very common for them to come to me and say, well, how long is this going to take? It's this many words. And I'm like, well, that's like saying, I need you to paint my house. How long is it going to take? Well, do you live in a shack or do you live in the White House? Because that's a big <laughs> difference. And I don't know how you write. Yeah. So I hope you understand. Mm -hmm. um, if there is a lot of developmental commentary and uh, issues from my side, it will take longer. But my job is my reputation, and I strive to be very thorough. I know, you know what, Judith. Barb, this I'm thing wondering. Here. I'm wondering here. We're we're in, we're in got a couple seconds here. I'm wondering if we should do a podcast just on developmental editing. Oh, absolutely. I can give you some great examples. <laughs> yeah, I think, and, and then what to do to expedite it to become a familiar. And with that, guess what, everyone? We're going to have to stop here. So we'll bring oh, Barb goodness. back for another podcast. Thank you so much. Um, and Lovely I, to be here. Thank you, as always. Yeah. And so, everyone, we'll be back next week with another podcast for all of you divided at publishing. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bra.